welcome to the beginning podcast. Every time we start, Sarah looks up at me like she can't believe we're doing it. Well, that was just such a lovely intro, and we like did it with you know a little vibrato in there. It was just, it was nice to hear you like sing us in. Hello. Welcome to the Brain Candy Podcast. Can you guys hear my garbage men outside? Because if I so, can. don't worry, it'll end soon. Is this window shut? Yep, it sure is. We don't really know what we're going to be talking about, but there was one thing that I think is very funny to talk what? about, which you probably saw on Twitter this morning, that <laughs> somebody... Oh my God, what are you going to say? <laughs> somebody was talking about your bracelets that you sell. Did yeah. you read the... No. Okay, well, Sarah makes these really beautiful bracelets that oh you should God. all buy. What did they say? Okay, let me find it. Here it is. Oh, God, on am I going to be embarrassed? <laughs> this is on her Twitter, Uh-oh. at Brain Candy Pod. What? Alicia Powell. My favorite... <laughs> my favorite thing about my new bracelets... <laughs> I don't know why this is so funny to me. <laughs> From I'm Sarah Rice is that it has that earthy pot smell. <laughs> I know what she's talking about. Okay, this is hilarious. <laughs> because I, there's this great. Okay, <laughs> first of all, it does not have an earthy pot smell well, because of mind. pot. <laughs> I did, however, I talk it. about how I was a stoner on the last episode. And she said that. She goes, I love that I found out your secret or something. Your secret's out or something. Yeah, okay. Well, that, I know what I. Wait, 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 wait. I know what's funny. read about. more. Okay, God. she goes, uh, I was like, oh my God, you're lying, you know. Because I was loving every second of this. And she goes, it really is. I thought it was the wood. So awesome that you said it was your deep, dark secret. <laughs> well, that's it. Because I know that she bought one with wood in it. And it is the wood. Because there's a specific wood called agar wood, A-G-A-R, that comes from, like, some forest. Uh, who knows? But it's this kind of wood. And I love it. Because when I go shopping at my bead store, they come in this big jar and I open up the jar and it smells like earthy, like it is this amazing smell. And that just like made me <laughs> love these is. beads. And so I bought a whole bunch of them and I know what smell she's talking about. And Alicia, it is the wood. Even because, <laughs> I mean, I smoke a lot of pot, but not that much. <laughs> It's not Snoop Dogg, like I, you know. I was just picturing the chronic you, like, over my house, like Susie, you've been to my home. It's not a drug den. But, I was just picturing you like making the beads and the the whole ne- whatever. Well, that's and then, exactly like, what I'm doing: like smoking pot and dude, watching but- HGTV and making bracelets. Where can people buy your bracelets? Oh, you can buy them at Etsy.com, www.etsy.com slash shop slash art by Sarah Rice. Or you could just type in art by Sarah Rice or even just Sarah Rice into the search thing on Etsy. I'm making fun of you, but your art is beautiful. Thank you. Your whole house is filled with it. I know. I'm looking. I'm staring at three of my paintings right now. (laughs) Well, and here's what people really should do because Sarah likes variety. So you should add a, ask her to do a custom piece, anything you want and she'll do it. It's true. You know what I've been uh, really excited about doing and I've gotten a lot of requests for are custom baby name signs for babies' bedrooms. I've done like four recently and there's Oh, they it's turn really out cute. so cute. So like moms will have like a woodland theme and like little woodland creatures. They'll do like the baby, the initial of the baby's name and then do a whole woodland. Th- and it just turns out so cute. And then to see, I get so much joy in seeing my 
picture hanging above a baby's bed next to a mobile and i just love it and all the woodland creatures are smoking doobies and all the woodland creatures just smoking doobs and what if all of your artwork smell like pot (laughs) then it would pretty much be like uh all art ever created ever so (laughs) you know what it makes me laugh too hard because it's not good for the podcast for me to be silently laughing so i'll stop talking about it but I just love teasing you so much. Ah, uh, well, it's great because I love the attention. So. Um, okay, so we don't really know what we're talking about. We, I have a few- <laughs> in general. <laughs> we, we have no authority on anything. No, we we couldn't really decide what we wanted to talk about. So I'm going to talk about some things that are have been interesting me, and then you can say what's on your mind. I read this article. My friend Emily, shout out to Emily Moan, um, she sent me this and she's like, hey, you know, I thought you would relate. And it basically, I'll tell you where it's from too, so you can look it up and read it in its entirety. Um, it's from New York Magazine, so nymag.com by Megan O'Connell. It's titled, The Patronizing Questions We Ask Women Who Write. And women who write could be substitute you could substitute women who do anything that other people might find provocative in any way whatsoever why is writing that provocative well because well this author in particular Mm -hmm. writes about sex oh okay so that people are always saying to her what what is your two-year-old son gonna think when he gets older and blushes at his mom so annoyed by that yes i know especially with topics like that because Talking about them is healthy. And And as if being a mother means you can't have sex um, or talk about sex or enjoy sex or a million other things. What if you're a man who's like, I don't know, a freaking defense attorney? Do you think somebody's going to say, how do you think your children are going to feel knowing that you defended people who were like, da 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 I think Nobody women, says that. I think people would ask that about a woman defense right, attorney. Right, they wouldn't do it to a man. Right. Oh, that makes me sick. Uh-huh. And I thought, I really loved the, um, the article because people are constantly saying that to me. When you do reality TV, there's, first of all, when I got pregnant, the first thing somebody said to me was, guess you're not going to be doing reality TV anymore. And I was like, why? Why are you even saying that? I mean, that's true, <laughs> but not because I'm a mom. It's because I'm old bones. And other people have been mothers on there. Absolutely. And fathers. And that's the thing. Nobody would Nobody ever say that ever to Nobody ever questions Derek the men or... who have been on there with the kids multiple times. Mm-hmm. There's a guy on one of the shows right now who just had a kid. Yeah. Come and on. So I related to that. And then, you know, the things we talk about on our show aren't exactly censored. Right. And they will be available to our kids and whatever. Yeah, but that <clears throat> that's crazy to me because there's an adult world and then there's a kid world. And just because you have a career that caters to something in the adult world, I'm not talking about fucking porn here. It's a radio show, you know? And... If it doesn't fit into that kid world, like, I don't understand what, if you were a bartender, mm-hmm. if you worked, at, you know, were like work at a, at, for an, my husband's in the wine business. Mm-hmm. Our child is not going to sit down and enjoy wine at the dinner with us 
because he's a child exactly. that should not affect my industry or my career because it's in a separate world. Then I interact with a kid differently. We'll interact with our children differently. We'll be part of their children world and, and they will have access to things, you know, just because you have a child doesn't mean that, you know, all of a sudden you become like some asexual person who like doesn't do anything adult ever. That's crazy. Well, the thing that really interested me about it was the concept of even before I had kids, there was also this uh, idea that what are your parents going to say? Mm. But that women are always classified or put in their identity is within relation to like other people. What are your parents going to think? What are your kids going to think? What is your husband going to think? Nobody is asking this question of men. Why? Because they're seen as a whole person. Ugh. And so it's not. And we're. Oh my god. We're gosh. just based on relating Relations, to other people. That's and our value is are who we're related related like yeah relate to or whatever. Yeah. Our relationships oh, are what make us important, which is part of the reason why people are so absurd about when are you going to get married? When are you going to have kids? Oh, Cuz the thing that matters about us is, is our relationships. Yeah. And otherwise we like don't exist in this world. Oh my god. You know? Like think about it spinsters that's been a, a thing forever that if you're an unmarried woman with no children it's almost like you don't exist yeah and if you're an unmarried man with no children you get put on a list of most eligible bachelors exactly oh, you're gross. you're you know a swinging single bachelor bachelor pad all that stuff is like cool and sexy and great and women are like old rags that are not valuable to anyone i don't think the uh, unmarried man who is like the bachelor still into his forties, whatever is in any way attractive. No, I don't, but society, you know, does. And I mean, to me, it's like, that's fine. But it's also fine if you're 40, right. a woman that's 40 or 50 and never got married and was like, no, I'm good. I'm just going to do my career or whatever. Right. Like, I just, I can't stand it. I know we go off on these feminist, you know, soliloquies, but I mean, that's such a great word, soliloquy. <laughs> I don't even know. Am I using it right? I think I, don't I am. Know. But if you could go off on a soliloquy about soliloquies, <laughs> that would be let awesome. Me, let me look because we don't want to be one of those people that people make fun of. I know, or we'll have to make fun of ourselves on our next podcast about words. <laughs> I thought it was, you know, almost like a monologue, an act of speaking one's thoughts aloud when one, oh, when you're by yourself. Oh. Regardless of any hearers, you know what? We might be doing that. <laughs> we don't know. Yes, we are. And you could go on a soliloquy. It's about almost like a monologue. But yeah, nobody listening. But it, it wouldn't matter if anyone's listening, which yeah. is exactly what we're doing. Pretty so much we're uh, doing that. Breaking podcast. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. By the way, 
As an aside, can you please subscribe to this show? Because it warms my spirit every yeah. time I hear someone say that they're a subscriber. And uh, we just got a, a tweet this morning uh, to uh, a, from a husband who is on a trip with his wife. They're in Cabo. And he said that they listened to the podcast on their trip. And thanks to us, he now knows what a dad bod is and he is proudly <laughs> rocking his on the beaches of cabo mexico hey and so shout out to those listeners and have fun in cabo and uh <laughs> see we read things uh not only do we read, husbands or wives out there or boyfriend girlfriend or whatever share po- the podcast your love for podcasts with your significant other because let me tell you it's fun to start a conversation with the things <laughs> we talk about that started uh, quite a few in my house Oh yeah, Sarah's the husband and her have been like bickering ever since. Oh my gosh, sometimes I got a lot of splendid to do. (laughs) Um, But regardless, I'm I. The other thing I thought was interesting about this article was that when I watch the real world um, or reality shows where people behave badly, Mm -hmm. I often think, don't they have parents? And and I've always thought of that as a legitimate question. And then I realized today when I read this. That it really says more about me and how I censored myself and wasn't truly authentic because I was so aware of other people would see the show and what they would think of me. And I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I could have just been made my choices based on what I wanted to do. Yeah. You think you made well, because it made me make better choices, but that I could have learned a lot more quick more quickly yeah. if I had maybe just done what I wanted to do and paid the price for it or not or whatever. And also I think there's this whole idea that, you know, what we do. I, I mean, you know, I talk to new cast members who come on the show who will say like, Oh my God, I'm so nervous for this next show to come out. Like mm-hmm. I did something and blah, 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 blah. I'm really going to regret it. And I'm just, this is going to hang over my head forever. Show airs, episode airs, two weeks later, after two more episodes have come out, no one out there gives a shit. Nobody cares. Nobody remembers. I mean, if they do, like... Well, and it's applicable to everyone because not most people aren't going to be on TV, but I saw this interview with Amy Poehler where she was asked, you know, what what advice would you give to women? I think it was like asking uh, that they're worried about how they look and stuff like that. And she was saying... You are far more concerned with whatever flaws you think you have than anyone else. Everyone is so worried about themselves that nobody is fixating on your like minor imperfection or whatever you're worried about. You're worried, but nobody else cares because we're all worried about ourselves. Yes. So don't worry. We are (laughs) all worried about ourselves. It's totally true. It's a real hang up though, because you can be imprisoned by the... What will people think? Mm-hmm. What will people think? Am I good enough for whatever it is? Am I good enough for this job? Am I good enough for this oh, dress? Yes. Am I good enough for this man? That seems to be the stem of a lot of worry. It, like, And worry is such a silly thing. It really is. But what's the answer? Because we all freaking do it. Okay. I, what I know. This know. is the, uh, the answer it sounds so easy and then it's impossible to do, but what? the answer to cure worrying is mindfulness mm-hmm. is living in the moment. Yeah, it really is. And you know, this is something that mindfulness practice is something that we study a lot about in therapy because it pretty much is the 
most successful therapeutic treatment for anxiety, for any kind of worrying, for a lot of stress management. And if you're able to put yourself, you you can't worry. I mean, the 99.9% of the stuff we worry about, we have no control over. We worry about other people. Can't control that. We worry about something that already happened. Huh, already happened. Can't control that. We worry about, uh, you know, pretend illnesses that we probably don't really have. That's like a huge one people worry about. Like, oh, do I have this? Am I have they this? They really I have this? do? Oh, yeah. This, like, you'd be surprised at how many people think that they are, they have ailments that they don't really have. Hmm. And, or just worried. And the worry of that make things even worse. And really, none of it you can really change. Yeah. So if you focus in the, mo- if you live in the moment and in those moments where you start, cause I've had to train myself to do this and I, I'm not perfect at it by any means. I'm terrible at it. But when I feel like worry or anxiety, or I worry, like, you know, I have crazy worries about my dog. I'm always like, oh, what if I get home and he's dead? You're going to be kidding me. I'm not kidding. I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be a wreck as a mother. I'm like, what if he got, cause I've already had to take my dog to the fricking vet because he bit a tube of toxic jewelry glue and i had to have like no joke fifteen thousand or fifteen hundred dollars worth of stuff done to my dog because so i'm like okay well i'm probably gonna he's probably gonna die if i leave him and he's gonna get into something and then i'm gonna come home and he's gonna be dead but the truth is i i can't worry really until he gets there until i get there that he's dead. so i really when i feel like i'm worried about him i just have to stop and go okay well what are you doing right now it's the serenity prayer Yes. Yeah. Can you please tell that to yeah, me? Yeah, I'll tell read it. it. Yeah. Exactly, because I that gave is Susie, a secret to life. I gave yeah. Susie the serenity prayer written on a scarf once mm-hmm. for Christmas because I thought it was such a good... It's your favorite one, right? Yeah, I have that necklace with scroll with the yeah. serenity prayer on it. Um, it says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Yep. If you can do those three things... Even so just the last accept one. things you can't change, change the things you can, and then figuring out which category each thing fits into. Yep. That's all you have to do. It sounds so easy. I know. So Ugh. It ain't. It ain't easy. <laughs> Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Worrying is the worst. I have a question that's totally off topic. Okay, great. All right, I don't know if you guys are watching this season of Intervention, which started a couple weeks ago. <gasps> well, it is intense, as always. Oh and God. there was a girl on last week that she did meth. <laughs> and sometimes when you do meth for long enough, you go into psychosis. Yeah, of okay. So, like, she. A lot of drugs can cause psychosis. Yes. Uh-huh. So, like, 
you know, she, she if she got sober, it could take months for her brain to stop. It may never so stop. What is that? Uh, okay. So you have, uh, when you take a drug, like whatever, you're flooding. Is it certain drugs only? Like, yeah, uh, I, yeah, of course, certain drugs that affect certain receptors in the brain. Okay. So, but pretty much every drug is going to have detrimental effects with prolonged use, huh? except like pot and stuff, which doesn't really count. <laughs> Um, is that true though? Cause I thought I well, thought I read something and I was going to tell you about it. That was a very, I know exactly what study it because when you take psychopharmacology, you really have to make sure you know about all these things. And there was one study that came out, uh, in the eighties or nineties that said that young men who smoked pot before the age of 18 and smoked on a regular basis and consistent basis and a very heavy amount were more likely to develop uh, schizophrenia or any other form of psychosis later in life. And they kind of took all of the variables, confounding variables out of that and had to ask the question of, okay, well, is it people who are schizophrenic are more likely to use pot as a, uh, like self-medicate. So once you take all those factors out, they didn't find any correlation between, um, schizophrenia and, pot use. And this was a study that this, the most recent one was a study that came out last year, last year or the year before. So our new research says that it doesn't, but if you're somebody who is already predisposed to schizophrenia or any kind of psychosis, you, it could speed the process along or could make the process more intense because you're loading up receptors in your brain with something that's not supposed to be there. So we all have receptors in our brain for dopamine, serotonin, things like that. So if you have somebody who's, you know, and of course I'm, I'm, I can't remember every single receptor that it affects, but if you flood no, your just system, dumb it down for me. I'm t- I am. Oh, you are. I okay. Because <laughs> I'm thinking like a receptor is just no, okay. like, tell me so, what the hell uh, is going uh, on. Uh, let me think. How do I? So if you, you, if you flood your brain with like, say this is obviously not the real number, but just to like dub down, say you have a hundred little receptors that are open and ready to catch all the dopamine that is floating around your brain. Yeah. Those good feely drugs. And those, you know, leak out in a very controlled rate. So you do something like have sex, you get a little dopamine. You eat some chocolate, get a little dopamine. You pet a dog, you get a little dopamine. And it's a very controlled amount. Well, if you and those receptors are able to handle that amount, if you flood that system and you, it's like a it's like a cycle. So if, if that little receptor says, oh, I have the dopamine, I'm good for a while. And it just doesn't need to receive anymore. But you, if you flood the channels of the brain with a drug like meth or anything that affects your serotonin and dopamine, you open up those channels so it keeps reuptaking the dopamine and it keeps giving you more and more and more and more and more. And when you keep flooding those receptors with these drugs, eventually they go, whoa, I guess you don't need me anymore. You've got like a whole bunch of other receptors. Those 100, maybe 50 of them shut down. And that's where you build up a tolerance because now it takes more and more and more because you've killed off the receptors. You've, you've done so much drug use that you've killed the receptors that 
make you feel good. So now you need more to do that. And that's why people will suffer from depression afterwards because they, they have no more serotonin, no more dopamine, no more anything like that running through their systems. And their receptors are like shot. They, they cannot take any more. Her symptom though, that was very, I've never seen it before. I've watched every season my of the show and it was stream of consciousness, but you know, it would be like, where are we? I don't have any money. Do you want to go outside? What's this fork doing? Well, and it, no we... joke eats holes in your brain. Oh, so there, if you look at the brain, oh gosh, it's like, really it's great. just There's... nonstop talking and if, none of it made sense. If you look at a, what a brain looks like, that's done ecstasy or methamphetamine. Ecstasy what? is what I, in my, ugh. and any of those idiots out there who are like, Oh, well, you know, like Molly is like the more, you know, pure for no, no, you're mother effing wrong. That turns your brain into cottage uh, uh, Swiss cheese. I'm not kidding. You can pull up. They did it in monkeys. They gave monkeys one dose and they were still showing effects in their receptors six months later of one dose for a monkey who's never had it before. So if you have had, if you do that every weekend and you do, you don't give your body enough time. Uh, why would you want to mess with that? And once the damage what is it, done, it's you burning cannot holes go in back. their brain. Yeah, no joke. It's creating, it's shutting down areas of the brain. And when an area of the brain gets shut down, it just dies. It just. I'm going to pull up a picture right now of what a brain looks like after, and then we can post it on, and you will be absolutely shocked at what a brain uh, looks like. I'll just so there's I'll, no cure. No, you can't rebuild. And they, if they have frontal lobe damage, then then all of their personality goes out the window. And um, okay, so here we go. So brain scan of a meth user versus a brain scan of let's see, or if you can even just the brain of a meth user. And uh, there's a really interesting one that's like floating around BuzzFeed right now or something like that. Or I see, I've seen it a few times on Twitter that shows the brain of uh, a normal person, the brain of someone who is, um, oh, here we go. Perfect. The uh, brain of somebody who is an alcoholic and then the brain of an Alzheimer patient. And the alcoholic will look twice as, as, dead and mm. it's almost like mm. it's a dehyd it almost looks like a dehydrated brain oh my god so this is uh i'm i'm just i'm showing you we'll post this on this is the scan of a brain of a 28 year old user a normal brain a 28 year old frequent user who says they've been abusing meth for 10 years and this the holes that you're seeing show lack of activity so cells just die they because they've been flooded so much because they've got they get the stimulation and then when they then they just shut down like I don't oh, I understand guess. why you can't stimulate new brain <sighs> wire or whatever well stems. once here look at that picture oh my god it looks like Swiss cheese like holes right that is so depressing so depressing because once if you I'm trying to think of a good metaphor that I, I know use. I'm sorry but if I you overstimulate an area and if you or if your brain sends well, that's why they say you're frying your brain. You're frying your brain. Yeah. That's exactly what it is, is you're just like sending so much impulse. And then when your brain gets sent messages that it doesn't need, it 
it shuts down those like areas. It, short it, sh- it short circuits and it shuts down mm-hmm. the centers mm-hmm. where there's inactivity. It'll shut down centers to protect itself. The brain does crazy things when it comes to drug use. Hmm. Even pre- like if you go into an, if you're somebody who uses, you know, meth in the same room all the time, you use it and you're always in the same location when you use it or any drug, you're in the same place. If you, your brain builds up a tolerance, not only to the drug, but to that location. So if you were to leave that location and then return, your brain will automatically prep itself for drug use and people, this was why overdoses are so common with people when they get out of rehab, because they go back and they try to use the same amount of drugs that they were using before, but in a different location. And because the location is different, their brain doesn't have the same defense mechanisms that it puts up. So if they're used to do it, I don't, I don't know the fucking measurements for meth. I don't know what it is. <laughs> like uh, one tablespoon of meth. <laughs> I don't know how you measure it, but if you use, so you use like a certain amount uh, and that was like your go-to before, and you try to use that, even yeah. somebody who's a regular loser, in a different place because your brain doesn't have that defense that it, it builds for the location because it's like, oh, God, I've been here before. i got to start like building up a tolerance because you're about to like really fuck me up because it doesn't do that because it, it recognizes it as a new location. They get too much of the drug and they overdose. You know what's ridiculous? What? I just, for some reason, while you were talking, started picturing you talking in that auctioneer voice. Oh. <laughs> I've got methods over here. We got crackheads over here. We got crackheads, methods. Everybody's brain frying. We got brain frying over there. We got a tablespoon of meth over there. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but I was just oh, like, hey, that was real funny when she did that. Yeah, because I get excited about a subject and I oh, just God. talk really, really fast <clears throat> on it. But well, yeah, so drugs are kids. Drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. Don't well, do them. Okay, and then another question is... But, like, you smoke pot, and that doesn't count. <laughs> that doesn't do anything. And it also shrinks tumors, so there you go. Hey, this is Doug Gottlieb. I, I have my own brand new podcast. It's called Dug In, and you can listen to it on play.it slash Dug In. Great interviews, unique commentary. Love if you join me. That's Dug In. Search on iTunes or play.it slash Dug In. You're listening to the Brain Candy Podcast with Susie Meister and Sarah Rice. I was reading about uh, the refugees, Syrian refugees and stuff. Just a light reading for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. And um, it was saying how children of children that are refugees. Did we talk about this? No. Oh, are three times more likely to have schizophrenia. And I was wondering why. Oh, okay. I okay. can tell you this too. Thanks. Okay. I so I put you on the spot. I don't tell you ahead of time at all to prepare. Well, these. it's really, I mean, I hope that my professors out there are listening <laughs> going, Hey, she's picking something up. Yeah. Um, so I explain schizophrenia like a light bulb and a light switch. And I'm fascinated by this topic because my aunt was schizophrenic. So it's very close to my family. And I really care about knowing a lot about it because I worry about, is this genetic? Is there a genetic component? Can I pass this along to my kids? Yeah. So if you have a genetic predisposition to schizophrenia and you have mental illness that it, uh, like an underlying likelihood of schizophrenia, it's not, you're not just your genetics. You're a combination of, they call it your phenotype, which is your genes interacting with your environment. So that kind of determines personality that determines, uh, a lot of our conditions. It's not, 
it has to be like a multiple combination of those things. So if you're somebody who is predisposed to mental illness and you're in a wonderful, loving, caring environment and you experience trauma and you get wonderful, loving, caring results, it's like you may have uh, a light bulb in the light socket for mental illness. So maybe you have schizophrenia, your light bulb is in the socket. But until one of those environmental situations comes along and triggers it and flips on that light switch, that light bulb may never go on. Mm -hmm. You may be totally like have a predisposition, a likelihood of getting schizophrenia. But until that external factor comes in to switch on the light bulb, nothing's really going to happen. But if you are somebody who is, you know, and a lot of people have no light bulb in the socket. They're not. Why is it like that though? So. Um, well, a lot of it is like coping mechanisms. A lot of it is like how we learn to deal with that trauma Mm -hmm. and how our brain gets wired to handle that trauma. So if you experience extreme trauma and you don't learn a good coping mechanism for it, your brain almost like scrambles to come up with an idea of how we're going to make sense of this situation. Mm -hmm. And I, nobody really knows. I certainly don't know. Maybe there's somebody out there who knows. Uh, of course, there's a lot of people out there who know far more on the subject than I do. But I mean, even in everything I've researched and studied, there's no real answer as to like why that happens. Mm-hmm. We just no, kind of know this it to does. be the yeah. case because you can have people who uh, do have like a genetic history of schizophrenia, but because of how they are because they don't experience that extreme trauma. Mm. It never really comes out. So if you take somebody who's a Syrian refugee and they have, you know, take like regular American kids, you take a hundred regular American kids, maybe one of them is predisposed to schizophrenia, but or let's just say for sake of argument, three of them are now only one of those children experience extreme trauma. Yeah. The other two have a nice normal life. So now you see one out of a hundred who has mm-hmm. schizophrenia, even though three <clears throat> of them have the genetic components for it. Well, now you take a hundred Syrian refugee children and three of them have predisposition to schizophrenia. Well, now all three have experienced tragedy and, and serious trauma. So you're going to see three out of a hundred mm-hmm. who have that. So the more trauma, the more trauma and the less coping mechanism, less resources they have, the more likely you are to see schizophrenia mm-hmm. appear. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Honestly, cause I, I, the article stated that as if I'm supposed to just know why that would be yeah. so or accept And there's that. a lot of it, like schizophrenia is so fascinating to me because we really don't know what happens, but there are like women who have the flu in their third trimester are three times more likely to have a child who's schizophrenic. So there's something about like the synapses in the brain and like the brain formation at that time and things like really like getting fried, like scrambled, like getting messages, getting mixed up and sent to the wrong areas. And, you know, I think it's like a cross of, you know, cause most schizophrenia shows up as audio or visual hallucinations. So it could be that, uh, you know, the brain is sending signals to an audio part of our our brain when we're thinking and that who the hell knows, but it's, it's, I used to do this bit in my act about how, like, if you listen to a crazy person long enough, there's a moment where you start to think maybe you're crazy. Oh, I'm sure. Because there's like, the reason I bring this up is because 
I, I always wonder like maybe they know something I don't. Maybe they know? see something we don't. Yeah, like they they're we're crazy. Uh-huh. And they're enlightened. Cuz yeah. there was this lady I remember at Starbucks and she was clearly homeless and she was, you know, talking what mm-hmm. do they call that? Where you, auditory hallucination uh-huh. or whatever. And she was saying um nothing I could do about it. Nothing I would do if I could. And like talking about all kinds of stuff and I was there was a moment where I was like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. Mhm. Am I crazy? Right. And so do you think maybe that's happening? (laughs) Um, Is there a chance that that's the case? Well, this is, I, who's to say, right. That's the thing is I think if you ask anybody, and I say this all the time on our, on our podcast that a good scientist will say, I don't know. And we'll look at all the options. Like who, you know, humans are we're getting messages all the time. We're getting signals sent to us all the time, but we have evolved to decide which messages are going to come through and which messages aren't, you know, I could be sitting here and thinking about the lights coming through the window and the garbage man outside and the bag of chips and this and and the sound that I'm hearing and all those things to be really, really distracting, but I'm, I'm trained to like focus on the here and now. If your brain we're focused on something different and not able to focus on the here and now. Mm-hmm. That that's what it would. Look they always like. seem real mad about it, though. Well, there's Whatever paranoid. They there's see does not there's make paranoid them happy. schizophrenia, and then there's schizophrenia. And the two, what we see that we get really freaked out by is paranoid schizophrenia because that's like a that's where you have schizophrenia and anxiety like overlapping, and so these people are the ones who are. They're not, God, and such a small percentage of them are actually dangerous. Like, you know, most of them are like in their own little worlds and don't, you know, care about anything that you're doing. But there are people who are the paranoid schizophrenia, schizophrenics, and those are the people like, uh, somebody was, there was some, oh God, this is so horrible, but some shooting that happened a while back where the, the man who was the shooter, young man videotaped himself before he went on this shooting spree and you can absolutely see signs of paranoid schizophrenia in him. And a lot of people were saying like, Oh, well he's schizophrenic and that's why he did this. And, but that's such a small percentage of people who have mental illness do anything that would be dangerous or, or anything like that. And far more people who are normal have done crazy things. Let's talk about some along the same lines that, movie concussion which oh, i haven't seen me either we need to see it we have to see it because this we, is really yeah, our brain man. is so sensitive i would never let my children play football not in a million freaking years no chance well i you and i discussed it because i i said what do you think happened to dave mira who commits suicide <gasps> and you said maybe it was that which we have we no didn't idea discuss it on here did we? no oh i do i do think maybe it was that yeah and mm-hmm. that made me start thinking about it. And then Why I, wouldn't it be that? It could. I mean, he could separately just have that problem, you know, severe depression and stuff like that, but yeah. certainly didn't help. No. Certain, massive concussions for the majority of your life do not help your brain function at a normal... Have you ever been had a concussion? Uh, I had a head injury when I was surfing. The only thing that's close to that is I had a head injury when I was surfing. I fell off my board and it like went straight up in the air and then came down and hit me in the head and like between the sand and the board. And I didn't, I just felt kind of rattled at the time and like got out of the water, 
But the next day I was playing water polo and I was, I was in high school time and I went to go like lift my hand up to throw the ball and I like, turned my neck and went, everything went dark and I went blind for a sec and I freaked oh out. I freaked out and I, I thought I was blind and it only lasted for a little while, but then I how got long? out of the water and then I went to the hospital and they told me I had a mild concussion and like, how long is a little while? Were you blind? Like a minute? No, no. A couple seconds. Like not even a full. It was probably just like just enough for me to realize that it had happened. And I was like, where the heck did all my vision go? And I just went blind for a second. And uh, who knows what? It was so weird too. And then my friend's mom like took me to the hospital and they, you know, did a little like, I don't know, MRI or scat scan or whatever. I was talking to somebody recently and they said that they thought that's what happened to OJ. I would agree. I never no, thought about I, it. I said this when that freaking show came out. I said, <laughs> I'm so mad right now. I said the exact same thing. Why would you be mad? I don't know. I'm mad because it wasn't you. my idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, because I said, the exa- I said, this is absolutely what that was, but because it wasn't publicized, yeah. like aggressive behavior in somebody who's not normally aggressive like that. And that like snap of, it oh yeah for sure that's well because he was other before his marriage to her as far as i know he wasn't a violent person no and then he was an abuser and then of course um, if you ask me gilder i yeah. hope you agree brain candy listeners yeah, after they found the knife that that cop was like <laughs> oh you mean this thing that i've had my backyard for forever oh this whole thing <laughs> he like watched the show and was like hmm, i think this is important i but they did determine it wasn't his i think oh yeah there was bad. a follow-up that for to a that great story. yeah it was but i mean i th- well, i had never thought about cte is it called cte yeah yeah ct scan yeah no the uh condition like concussion oh, oh i don't know i think it's cte but anyway i just uh it's been on my mind because it's like, well, don't you think what you, you do on the challenges is... I worry about that all yeah, the time. because you won't let your kid play football, but you're, like, jumping off a fucking... I, I know. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I think about all... Because... But you've never had a concussion, so... No, not concussions, but I definitely have residual stuff from, like... What? Yeah, my trainer thinks I have nerve damage in my arm. From, Why? Because every now and then my grip just goes and it feels like I can, like, like the, it just feels well, like I lose what, my strength. And he said it could have been like a neck injury from like falling off of one of those things. And I did have a few serious, like, me too, like, uh, falls or whatever. Fall, and to the point where it was so bad where my neck was, uh, like strained the next day or whatever. That's and I had me. to get like a shot in the butt to like. Get they they gave me up. a couple of Tylenol. Yeah, oh yeah, I, please. Yeah, that was it. After about four days of me looking like a, a light post moving my whole body <laughs> at once, it was on a uh, battle of the X's, and Leroy was like, Leroy just called me a light a light post the whole time. He's like, you just look like you're sitting on the street corner, like. <laughs> When I got mine, when we did, um, we went to Vegas and we were in the Cirque du Soleil <gasps> yeah. performance. It was that Ka, K-A. Yeah, yeah, Ka. And it's like, we did trapeze. I'm so jealous It was like that. the best thing ever. I'm we did so trapeze jealous. and we had to jump off this balcony, you know, like 30 feet onto like a, one of those air filled things. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't know how to land properly. No shit. These I heard stunt doubles stay in there. Like. Train forever. Right. 
And so I heard, I heard my neck snap and it hurt. And they're like, here's some Tylenols. I'm like, what? I still have pain from it. Yeah. See, I think there's leftover stuff. But I got to do trapeze. Yeah. That is really cool. I would have taken that over, uh, you know. Anything that I've totally like hijacked. No, so what, I love what it. What else do you want to talk about? Please. I, I talked about drugs in the brain for like 20 minutes. Yeah, but I was just, you know, these are all things I was wondering about. And so you're my, uh, like, you're like a human I think Google. I did a bad job explaining that. I'm going to put up like a diagram of what happens to your brain. Like, this is your brain on drugs kind of thing. Because I think I want people to understand like what, you know. Like, I, I guess what I want to know is not scientifically, but just sort of like, if you were in her brain, uh-huh. what is she feeling or thinking? Uh, your brain, I think her brain is sending her, is not like completing the, the, the message. So like, it's almost like you have like a little telegram delivery guy in your brain that, that, you know, the thought starts and it's all happens super fast, but the th- thought starts one place and then it gets sent to another place. And then, you know, and then different things can interrupt those messages. So if you perceive, if your brain gets a message that there's like danger, then it will stop that train of thought and it will like switch over to how do I protect myself from this danger that I see coming. So if she's not able to like focus on what's happening, then her brain can be sending her messages, uh, like a whole bunch of things all the time that gets crossed. Mm-hmm. It's just like a stream of consciousness. Yeah, like, it's almost like a dream state. Yeah, it's like, it's like your brain, you may be thinking about, and you can see it. You can, I've worked with people who are, who have mental disorders, who are bipolar, schizophrenic, um, you know, things along those lines. And you can see when you're talking to them, how their thoughts are all over the place. It's really just, you know, and that's one of the signs, like when you're looking at the, the DSM, which is the diagnostic statistical manual of mental disorders. Um, and it has all the requirements for diagnosing somebody with schizophrenia and any other mental disorder. And when you look at what the signs are, there's, what do they call it? It really, it's, it's something like inability to focus thoughts or, you know, inability, their thoughts are just all over the place. Mm -hmm. And you can, if you have even 20 seconds of a conversation with somebody, you can see anything they look at will distract them and think of another thought. Like, you know, we can talk like this and then I'll say something that'll remind you of, it might remind you of like, I don't know, your grandma's favorite like TV show she used to watch. Cause maybe I mentioned something about whatever, but instead of your brain, just like passing that off as like, Oh, I don't really need that thought. Mm-hmm. Their brain goes, wait, do we need that thought? Let's talk. Let, let me talk about it. And it felt like, you know how, whenever you drink too much in the room spins, uh-huh. it feels like the verbal equivalent. of that. <gasps> That's a really, you know? really good analogy. Cause it was just like, nothing, no complete thoughts. None of it made sense. Nothing makes sense. And I just thought she must be miserable. Or uh, totally content. Oh, I don't God. think you notice that the, the, the she only looked miserable. The thing that could be difficult is if they are aware that this is happening and it's getting in the way of their relationships. And, but a lot of people are not, she wasn't lucid at all, but you have <sighs> to wonder if she's hearing voices and they're aggressive mm-hmm. and she's aggressive. That's can't be pleasant. No, that sounds miserable. But she went to rehab, so 
But I don't think there's anything you could really do for yeah. the long term. She went, she seemed better. It was two months later and she at least seemed like coherent. Yeah. Well, and she might have just such low levels of the good stuff that you almost have to go on a medication that will level out Even you your, you know, Oh God, that's terrible. But I mean, that show is so good and it was off for a while and they mm-hmm. like acted like it was over. And I think they did that so that they could keep tricking people into doing yeah, them. Probably. And I'm so glad because it's compelling and it, I think it probably does make a difference in the world. But Are you, they save all, yeah. all pre, everyone that they, yeah. So that's good. All right. Follow us on uh, Instagram, Brain Candy Podcast. What else do you want to say? Anything? Oh. We love you. I love you. No, I love them. Oh, okay. Well, I love them too. <laughs> I love you too. too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and that's about all for today. Sounds good, folks. Hope you liked our hodgepodge. I don't know what we're going to call this episode. Hodgepodge podcast. <laughs> I mean, we went heavy on the brain at least. We did. Not so much Just candy. Look, and for all those people who are like, oh God, another feminist one. No worries. Turned Tricked into a ya. brainy one. <laughs> That's what my kids said. Gotcha. Tricked ya. Tricked ya. Bye, everybody. See you later.